Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war listening to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Michelle. Before we get started today, I do want to encourage our listeners, if you have questions or comments, or perhaps you want to share your own experience with with what you've been seeing on the front lines of healthcare, or you're a patient that has witnessed things that have gone down that you would like to make sure to tell us about and you want to get your story to us, you can now submit those to us by sending them directly to nurses at americaoutloud.news. We will be featuring your questions and comments every Tuesday on a special Q&A episode with the nurses. We encourage all of you to engage in the battle and find your voice in the fight. But until you are able to do that, we will continue to be that voice for you. Today, I have a special guest with me that is going to be telling us about her own journey from COVID through long-haul COVID, but also how she came to be this complicated after getting COVID and what happened to her own mother, who was 85 years old at the time that she was recovering from COVID and what was related to her mother's impact of getting the COVID-19 vaccine. It is quite a harrowing story of the journey through the medical system and how the medical system does not only fail us in so many ways, but how it also covers its own fanny to cover up things that it is responsible for causing. So, you know, we want to make sure our audience is listening carefully to this wonderful story of Michelle's that we're going to go through and her mother, and how you can make sure this does not become your story, and what you can do to possibly advocate for yourself and your loved one. And I think it's a a story also that reminds us that we all need to have a power of attorney, and the people who are going to make decisions for you in the event that you are unconscious, please make sure they're people who love you dearly and want to fight for your life and are willing to become knowledgeable about your diagnoses and the medical drugs that you may be taking. Because when it comes down to it, when it comes time to fight for you, you're going to need somebody who um, really wants to fight for you and has uh, made themselves knowledgeable about your medical situations. And also have more than one person on your power of attorney. I always make sure there's somebody that is not related to me, that is a medical knowledge person that you trust, that would uh, collaborate with the family members, perhaps that are on the POA. And the three, I say that the three must agree on what the treatment choices will be for me so that I know that the intellectual, medical intellectual person is guiding my family members and the people that are dedicated to my life and uh, my good outcome are getting good consultations. So take that into consideration. You don't have to have a lawyer to put together a power of attorney. 
All you need is a piece of paper and type it out and get everybody to sign it and get their contact numbers on the power of attorney. And if you ever present to a hospital, make sure that it's something that they know immediately you want those people making decisions for you. So today's special guest on America Out Loud with Nurses Out Loud is Michelle, and she has her story to tell us. And I think we're going to start her story because it's so intriguing um, about her mother who was vaccine injured, very likely, very well, she was COVID vaccinated, but she had some pre-existing condition as a lot of elderly people do. And there's such an intriguing story around her that I think we should start with her mom. And Michelle, why don't we start there with your mom when she's 75 years old and what happens with her? And welcome to Nurses Out Loud. Thank you. So um, when my mom was 75, she had open heart surgery to have a valve replaced. And um, during the surgery, um, they used water that was not sterile. Um, which then she developed um, um, a bacteria <laughs> that's called the microabscesses bacterium or microbacterium abscesses. Sorry, I said it yes. backwards. Mycobacterium abscesses. So that second word she said, it looks like the word abscess. Okay, go ahead. Yes. And so at first um, she was recovering well until we realized that her surgery site was starting to get red and inflamed and it started to look like it was infected. So we took her back to the hospital. Um, at this point, we didn't know, but there were 14 other patients that had already had um, this issue after surgery. So the hospital knew what was happening, but we did not. Wow. So they basically had to take her back to surgery. They had to remove a lot of the muscle and the skin that was infected. And at that point, you know, I was asking, like, why is this happening? You know, and so on. And they basically told me that her wound wasn't healing because she had diabetes. And um, it didn't make sense to me because my mom's diabetic, but it was very controlled. She, it wasn't insulin shots. She was just taking morphine um, and she had it for many years and all her wounds um, would heal nicely. Like she didn't have any issues. So um, long story short, I saw it on the news a few days later and that's when I realized what they had done. And that's when the hospital then was open about yes. the water not being sterile, which was... So here we are pre 2020 when we thought, yeah. oh, we can count on our news media to make sure to get things important out to the American people. They actually were covering that there had been a problem within a local hospital, that multiple patients had been exposed to this very dangerous bacteria um, yeah. inside the medical community. And I was going to tell the um, audience about what this actually is, what this um, condition actually is. According to the CDC website, it is a bacterium distally related to ones that cause tuberculosis and leprosy. It is part of a group of environmental mycobacteria and is found in water, soil, and dust. It has been known to contaminate medications and products, including medical devices. So this is something that the hospital, very likely their infection control department, knows is a problem and a risk that's something they have to 
regularly mitigate against. And one day we could maybe get somebody on Nurses Out Loud that talks to us about how hospitals are supposed to keep themselves sanitary. Because obviously when you go inside of a surgery, you're counting on a sterile environment. And a lot of people wonder with the masks that all came out, um, well, don't all of y'all wear masks in the hospital all the time? No, we don't. We primarily do it in places like the surgical suite so that we do not get our spit or any drainage from our face, nose, eyes, whatever, into your open wounds. But your only risks are not from us specifically. It could be actually the medical equipment. And Nurse Michelle knew that when I went into my surgery in October of 2023, when I had emergency hip surgery, and I sprayed my nose and throat with um, my 1% iodine nasal spray because I knew that their equipment could be contaminated and I didn't want any risk of anything under anesthesia getting me infected. And the quality hospitals out there, a lot of them, before they'll put any kind of respirator on you or put you under, they'll put iodine in your nose and throat because they don't want what you have in their machines, nor do they want their machine. They're supposed to be protecting you from their machines. So it sounds like this was a non-sterile water that they may have used to rinse her wound or may have even used in the surgery to directly inside of her heart because she was having open heart surgery. She ends up with this post-op complication of this infected wound. They try to cover it up and say it's because of her diabetes that her wound isn't healing well, knowing full well that they have an outbreak of mycobacterium abscessus going on. And eventually it comes out, thank goodness for the news. So any of the news out there listening, uh, we are counting on you to expose things like this. And when you won't, we will. So um, (laughs) she ends up being put on some pretty hefty antibiotics to treat this, correct? Yes, it was four different antibiotics. And if I remember correctly, they even had to get special permission from the CDC um, because these weren't antibiotics that were like commonly used. Um, Right. Yeah. Okay. So fast forward, uh, well, throughout the, because of this diagnosis, she ends up having a post-op heart scan because she had her mitral valve X fixed, repaired. It was probably a leaking and they wanted to fix a floppy mitral valve. And she ends up with something they see on the scan, right? That's how they confirm. Right. Yeah. So then um, after everything, when they did the scan, they realized that she has a a small ball close to her heart. And um, at first they didn't know what it was and we weren't gonna go back in to check to see what it was. So they basically just thought it was scar tissue and they just told us we're gonna monitor it. She has to come in regularly to get a scan every six months um, just to make sure it's not growing or, you know, and so forth. So it didn't change. I mean, it's been 10 years now and um, we had no changes. Okay. So here she's not causing a problem. She's being watched regularly. Um, this ends up having some litigation associated to it, obviously, because it makes public news. And sadly, which, uh, what you may not realize out there, those of you who are needing to win lawsuits because of your COVID cases, um, there was a cap on how much winnings there was per person. So once it's gone, it's yeah. gone. But anyway, sh- there was a lawsuit that happened and they're watching her every six months. So along comes COVID and she's an elderly person that's a high-risk person and someone advises her that she should get the COVID vaccine. Is that correct? That is correct. So basically when it started to roll out for seniors, um, she got the vaccine. And um, 
I should mention that like a couple of weeks after she got the vaccine, my mom passes out. So that was the first thing that I noticed. You know, she passes out. She loses bodily function. Um, her caretaker at the moment thought that she was dying. Calls 911. They come. They take her to the hospital. They run tests. And there's nothing wrong. Okay, so how close after the vaccine did this happen? About two weeks after she got the, the second vaccine. Oh, my word. Okay, so go ahead. So that was my first clue that she had been injured because right. she just passed out, loses bodily function for no reason. And scares the basically goes. Oh, yeah, scared her to death. She had all kinds of tests done at the hospital, and they have no idea why this has happened to her. Okay, another so she sent home. Is, is it the same hospital by chance that she had the yes. heart surgery in? So another no, no, it's a different hospital. Sorry, not the where she got the surgery. Even more discouraging. Yet another hospital <laughs> that is a second hospital caring for this woman. And now she has another complication and they have no idea what is going on with her. And as a person who has a lot of medical problems who had to be sent to Mayo Clinic to finally be figured out, um, it is really hard when you do have complex rare things that show up. So here, she, but this was in 2021. She got the wow. vaccine at the, as soon as they allowed the vulnerable elderly people to get access to it. Right. Mm -hmm. So she's one of these early right. people and she has this two weeks later. Um, they were saying at that time that you were not considered vaccinated unless you were 15 days post the second vaccine. So this is after her first shot only, correct? No, this was after her second shot. The problem happened after her second shot. Okay. So mm -hmm. you are not considered fully vaccinated in those days. That was the ridiculousness of it because we were watching how they were keeping the count of post-vaccine COVID and post-vaccine complications. But if you come in with something like this going on and you're still 14 days past the vaccine, the second vaccine, you would not have even been documented to have had a vaccine related injury. So they have no idea what's going on with her. She just gets sent back to the nursing home to recover. And what continues to happen after that vaccine for that year, 2021? For 2021, what we realized was um, she just, kind of, she, you know, she was in her eighties. So she did repeat some stories or she would forget where she put something, which was kind of normal. So we, we thought that maybe she had the beginnings of dementia. But from the time that she got her vaccine, just the year 2021, it, it got so bad, so quick. It was, she just took a nosedive. It was incredible to me. I mean, and I, I've been around other elderly that have had dementia and it just didn't progress that way. To me, it was just very abnormal the way it was progressing. Yeah, I want everybody to pay attention to this very important detail. So if you have an elderly loved one, the the thing that you have advantage of versus a vaccine injured child is if your two-year-old is vaccine injured and mom says, my child suddenly took a sudden turn, you only have two years of lifespan to communicate about what was normal before the vaccine. But we're talking about a person who is now in her 80s and her children know her well and it, she made a very valid point that a sudden change happened to her. It wasn't like what she witnessed with other people in society where they had this slow 
progressive dementia and progression toward what Alzheimer's patients might look like. Instead, suddenly her mom is um, altered, has altered states. And we can talk about that in just a moment, how, how it showed. But the most important thing is that we know our people we love. And if your person is presenting to a hospital setting and the loved ones beside that person are saying, this has come on suddenly. This is not my mother. I know she's older, but just because she's older doesn't mean that she's been like this for a long time. This is sudden. Medical professionals out there listening, this matters in your assessment and it should make it into the nurse's notes for the permanent record as well. So what? Um, so you're suddenly having a mom with significant decline with her mental mm -hmm. state. And she's, oh, also, absolutely. and she's also having a continuation of her every six month scans with her heart that has been perfectly normal since her surgery for ten, eight years, eight or 10 years, no enlargement of that abscess that they found in her heart. What happened with that when it came post-vaccine? So when she was actually, um, now you just reminded me of something, when she was in the hospital, when she passed out, they actually did a scan. And that's when they realized that the scar tissue that had been dormant for so many years was now active. So what they, is like the infection that she had gotten was encapsulated in this scar tissue and it was enlarged. It now it was starting to grow. And I was like, you I know, bet it I showed was, up in her lab work. She suddenly ends up in an emergency room setting and they probably do some rapid labs on her and the bacteria is now present because you said they suggested putting her on those superpower antibiotics again. And the only reason they would do that is if it was a very high white blood cell count and they probably cultured it to find out what it was. And here we were with mycobacterium abscessus in her blood. So they suggested the blood that her get on the antibiotics again. Yeah, they did. And um, we knew that she wouldn't be able to tolerate it because they were so strong the first time. Um, when she was 75. So there was no way she was going to be able to tolerate it um, this time. But we were able to keep her on one of the antibiotics, which seems to have kept things, um, you know, from growing at the at the rate that it was. Okay. And also, if you, I'm not sure when it started happening, but after this emergency thing happens where she blacks out, um, it how much longer after that does she start having issues that they say that this abscess is putting some kind of pressure on her lungs and causing her to start coughing. This was, so then this was January of 2022. Okay. So what happened in January of 2022 that will lead to you as well? And what happened to you? Okay. So when she's so, progressively getting ahead. worse after the COVID vaccine, she's getting mm -hmm. mental alterations. Now she's got this antibiotics problem that she's trying to deal with this sudden occurrence of this bacteria in her body. She's under treatment for that. And you get COVID in January, 2022, but right. she's not fully coughing up blood yet. Is that true? The blood coughing had not started yet. Um, in January of 22, she started coughing up blood and that's why we took her to the hospital. And it was a significant amount of blood. And we were afraid she was going to like choke on her blood. Um, that is, so a, it was pretty scary. Okay. So the reason why she's coughing up blood is its own mystery, but I just remembered something else you told me off on the break. And that was that they had found evidence of her on scan of her brain that she had had strokes post COVID yes. vaccine. So tell me about that before we, 
uh, go on to you. So she, she, um, when she had a, a brain scan, they had told us that she had multiple areas in her brain where she was having small mini strokes. And it's, and it was, I think it's obvious because her caretakers would often tell my sister that um, she would just be sitting at the table and it's almost like she would black out, you know, like kind of pass out, but come back and like be so disoriented. So we're, you know, I don't know, but it sounds like she was having many strokes in front of them. And when they did the scan, it showed that she had had many strokes in different areas of her brain. And And all of this is happening. (sighs) To me, it just, to me, it's the vaccine. All in 2021, this rapid decline in her is going on. So we've got a woman living in a nursing home who's on main. No, she's living at my sister's house. Sorry. She's living at my sister's guest home. Yeah. Okay. So somebody who knows her is engaging with her on a regular basis mm-hmm. suddenly starts observing moments of mom spacing out. So obvi- I'm a person who's a previous stroke patient and have had TIAs as well. And I know exactly what it is like to go through that. And when we have a person that's suddenly dazing off and not acting like they're fully cognizant, that is a definite red flag to get them in and get imaging of their brain to see if they are in fact passing something through their brain and causing either a blood clot or stroke. We know for a fact that there have been clots associated to vaccines as a uh, post-vaccine complication. So this is in line with what has already been documented to be known to happen with a COVID vaccine. Here's this woman who never had had a stroke before, but because she's in her eighties, people will possibly attribute it to her age, but we know for a fact it didn't happen to her before she had the COVID vaccine. So now she's got documented um, imaging on her brain saying she's having a mental um, uh, what's called level of consciousness declines where she's not quite cognizant there and present. She's acting like she has dementia and Alzheimer's in a very rapid pace that your sister is observing very frequently, right? And and we've got an infection now that's suddenly activated after 10 years. And the doctors are wanting to treat her for with superpower antibiotics that were very hard for her at 75. And now she's 85. So they're trying to give it to her at a slower pace by spreading it out. Well, yeah, they're just giving her one antibiotic and, um, you know, she is older. And at this point, we just want her to have like quality of life versus, you know, being in the hospital and not feeling well because of all the antibiotics they're pumping into her. And so we're just trying to manage now what's happening to her. Um, you know, the, the coughing up blood, we don't want that to happen. So it's been very hard to take her off blood thinners because we know she needs it. But at the same token, it was causing her to cough up more blood because she was on the blood thinners. So it's been a balancing act. But if you talk to me or to my sister or to her caretakers, we have all realized the same thing. Like we all seen the rapid decline. We all realized that this has all happened after my mom got the vaccine. And although doctors won't acknowledge it, we know it. Okay. So that brings up another point that I will make sure to put in my show notes, a link to how to report a vaccine injury, because you can be sure that if this hospital is making no connection, if they don't Mm -hmm. have a clue what made mom suddenly black out two weeks after the vaccine, if mom suddenly starts having 
stroke-like behavior. They're just putting down that this 80-year-old woman starts having stroke-like behavior. So they start giving her medications to manage blood clots in the blood to keep her from having continual strokes. But the chances that there is a vaccine adverse reaction report ever filled out is probably highly unlikely. Do you know if anybody did file one for her? <laughs> no, <laughs> they, they don't make the connection. And it's basically just that she's 80 something years old and this is what it is. And, you know, yeah, that's she's diabetic. She's had this, you know, she has that. And they just, I, I said to my own dad when he got to, when he was cardiologist convinced him to get the vaccine was that dad, if anything even happens to you as a complication of this vaccine, because you're in your seventies and because you already have a cardiac history, they're going to just attribute it to your age and your medical decline. They're not going to make the association. So it's just not worth the risk. And thank goodness he's part of, yes, he's part of the 75% of the population that got two vaccines, but thank goodness he's um, only 13% came back for any more boosters. And thankfully he does not get any more boosters. And I'm sure your mom, have they tried to continue to get? Yes. So y'all got involved and made sure mom did not get any more um, vaccines and that, that's so hard because the majority of the population isn't medical. They are part of what's been what's ha happened to them with the propaganda. Innocent people who literally just wanted to do the right thing, thinking they were protecting their elderly um, relatives, got their elderly relatives the vaccine because they believed that person was at risk. So it, it's not something to feel guilty about if you're out there and grandma did have this done to them and you did you thought you were doing the right thing to recommend it, but it's time to recognize that um, there's good documentation showing the harms that have happened with this vaccine. And you want your loved ones to um, have the best quality life they can up until their last breath here on this earth, not be in and out of medical hospitals with more and more problems going on. So we're about to need to um, cut to the break and we're going to get to what happened to you when your COVID hit you and your mom post her vaccine and what happened for you as a long haul. When we come back, on the other side of the break. But don't forget, listeners, to check out our online store at americaoutloud.shop where you can find all the products that we represent on our network at a discounted rate, including ASEA redox cell signaling molecules, and which I can personally speak for seeing a huge change by the gel that I use since my surgery. Um, it's like a miracle gel for rubbing on my hip whenever I have inflammation because it apparently takes about a year for the muscle and all the tendons to readjust to the new shape that my leg has taken because apparently it's a little bit shorter than it was before. And those muscles still occasionally get inflamed and I'll have to ice it or rub my ASEA gel on. So um, be sure to use the promo code out loud to save 15% off your purchase. And I'll catch you on the other side of the break. Stay with us. It's time and this is what This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. 
Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides, with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. It's time Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Michelle. Wherever you're listening from today, whatever you're doing, we thank you for giving us the gift of your time and tuning in to this wonderful human interest story with Michelle. We're going to pick right back up where she left off, where her mom was in this major decline in 2021 following the COVID-19 vaccine. And then she goes into 2022 And suddenly she herself, Michelle, comes down with COVID. So she gets COVID and we're going to talk about that briefly. And then her uh, mom ends up hospitalized not long after that. So tell us a little bit about how that all went down, Michelle. So um, in January 2022, um, I got sick with COVID for the first time. I did not get the vaccine, and I thought that I was pretty prepared um, for COVID. I had listened to you and to Dr. Peter McCullough, and I followed the FLCC, so I had been, you know, elevating my vitamin D levels, taking quercetin, Dr. Zelenko's um, supplement, um, and I thought that I was going to do pretty well if I did get it, and um, and I did. I thought I did. Um, I took ivermectin for the first five days. I took all the other supplements and um, I started to get over it, although I didn't get um, all my energy back. Um, 
and that was about two weeks. I still didn't have all my energy back. And by that time, my mom lands in the hospital again because she's coughing up blood. So I drove all the way to Miami by myself about 12 hours just to be with her. And um, I'm in the hospital with her day in and day out for the, you know, about two, three weeks that she was in the hospital. And what made and her- while I was there. What made her get Go hospitalized? Ahead. She was 2021 had been rough for her. So what made her get hospitalized sure. in January of 2022? She started coughing up blood and it was a significant amount of blood and it was very red, um, you know, and it was significant that it scared us to the point that we thought maybe she would choke on it. So we ended up taking her to the hospital Um they didn't really give us a clear diagnosis of what was happening to her. Um, I want to I address that because yeah. when, she, when Michelle told me that they aren't sure why she's coughing up blood, I want to bring you back to the diagnosis that her mother had, mycobacterium abscessus, which is associated to tuberculosis and leprosy, um, that they're in the same, it's distantly related to that. And in tuberculosis, there is very commonly coughing up a blood. So um, we're going to encourage them to look and see if the hospital ever did a tuberculosis test on her just to make sure that she that's not possibly why she is coughing up blood. But obviously it's deteriorating and now she's hospitalized for two weeks and going really declining. And you're in the middle of recovering from COVID at the same time. You're two right. weeks past COVID. So technically you should be able to be on the mend and you've done everything you're supposed to do to try to keep yourself well. But here we are a person that's been really wearing themselves down for the year prior with mom and you've got COVID now. And we have to remember we're mind, body, soul, and spirit. We're not just body. Um, our bodies do take a licking when there's a lot going on emotionally or uh, in relationships in our lives. So you, you probably were somewhat compromised going into that because of all that had gone on with your mom prior but here you are, you're, you're recovering from an illness and you're in a hospital setting. And what do we know about hospital settings? We, we, we know that there's probably a lot of vaccinated people walking around and shedding is a real thing. So you are there for two weeks and mom is out. What starts happening to your health? So at that point, I really didn't know about shedding. Okay. I knew about, I knew about COVID. I knew about um, vaccine injured people and so on, but I did not know about shedding. So while I was there day in and day out at the hospital, I did start to feel a decline. I started to get chest pressure, this pressure in my chest that I just could not get rid of. Um, I could feel my heart racing and I was just sitting down. Um, those were the first things that I started to notice. Um, How far and out? Just not and so at this point, it was about maybe three weeks since I had had COVID. Okay. And so I just thought it's this virus that's not natural. It's man-made. So I'm just thinking, okay, there's just something lingering. So I actually reached out to America's clinic and told them that I still wasn't feeling well. And they um, gave me a 10-day course of ivermectin. And is America's Clinic associated to FLCCC? No, but um, I don't know if you've heard of Nurse Erin. Oh, yeah. She started um, that in Florida. Okay. And that's how I knew about it. So I reached out to them. 
And um, they basically gave me another 10-day course of ivermectin. So I did take it, and I started to feel better. As soon as I stopped the 10-day course, the symptoms just came right back. Okay. So what happened? What, what ended up being your primarily suffering? The well, then I, I could feel the, it, it was like tachycardia because I could feel my heart racing and I never had that before. Like literally I could walk to the doctor's office, you know, they take your pulse and your blood pressure. And I was always at 120 over 60 and my um, heart rate would be at 62. I mean, always, because I was active. I, um, I jogged a lot. So I had um, good blood pressure and heart rate. And at this point, um, I could feel my heart racing like I had just gone out for a jog and came back. And so a friend of my sister's is actually a doctor. And he was like, bring her to my office so I can do an EKG on her. So I went to his office. He did an EKG. And long and behold, my heart rate was at 119. And I was just sitting in his office. Wow. And um, he, yeah, he kind of told me that it was because of COVID and that, you know, that they've been seeing a little bit of tachycardia and that I could have some inflammation. Um, so he sent me to get a chest X-ray and um, an echocardiogram. And everything came back normal, of course. And he did some blood work. He checked my D-dimer um, and other things and everything came back normal. Okay. So they were like, you just have to take it easy, you know, go home. Really, really helpful information. <laughs> yeah, it'll go away. And so at that point, I'm still in Miami. My mom is home and I'm just, you know, um, um, being with her while my sister is working and stuff like that. And I just continue to deteriorate. Um, my heart rate is you know, going to fifth, going down to 50, then popping up back to 117 in the same minute. Were you getting, and I could anybody, feel like, did anybody ever say the word POTS to you? No, but I kind of figured it out on my own because um, now I'm digging and searching and looking for information. Um, and so I did think that it could be POTS because it sounded a lot like it, because the minute I would stand up, you know, my blood pressure even went to 189 over 98, mm. where I would get like tunnel vision and feel like I was going to pass out, which is nothing I had ever experienced in my life. Well, I'm not sure what um, your age is, but I'm more than half of 100. So I've been here a while. So if I were to report that to the doctors, which I have had to do, um, it should gain credibility that I'm saying to you, I've never in my life ever had this. So it should be, a, you know, significant, noteworthy, make it into the medical record that patient reports never experienced this before and has had continual good health up until this point. So did somebody ever put you on like a tilt table, um, echocardiogram to find out if it oh, was no. no, I even, um, that was the first time in my life I had called 911. Oh my. Because I was actually, I was cold. I was clammy. I had tunnel vision. I took my own blood pressure and my heart rate at home. And it was at 119, my heart rate. My blood pressure was at 189 over 89, around there. And I was getting tunnel vision. So I called 911. And they came and they told me that I was having an anxiety attack. 
Oh my goodness. And that I needed to go outside and breathe. Wait, and the get some sunshine. is actually there with you and they're saying to you, let's take you outside to get some fresh air. Yes. Um, do you really want to go to the hospital? And I'm explaining to them. And at this point, I'm explaining to them that I had just had COVID. That I'm having all these weird symptoms, this, you know, pressure in my chest, tachycardia, my blood pressure is going up and my heart rate is going from like 50 to 117 just sitting on the sofa and that it's not normal. And they're saying, oh, we see this a lot lately. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Interesting. But you're not vaccinated. So we're not looking at a vaccinated person, but you're acting mm -hmm. like somebody who may have actually recently been vaccinated. And yet right. they're telling and had anxiety um, attacks ever happened in your life? No. Yeah. So Never. No reason to think that it would suddenly start that day. So did you end up going to the hospital and get some testing? I did. I ended up going to the hospital. I told the paramedic, yes, I want to go to the hospital because I knew that this was not normal for me. Like something was wrong. And um, so I went to the hospital, but it didn't make a difference. Basically, they made sure I wasn't having a stroke, a heart attack and sent me home. Nobody okay. cared about my story. Nobody cared that this was abnormal for me. No one even blinked an eye. Basically, they just said, you're not dying. You can go home. Okay. So then and that's where that's where my shift happened. You know, because I never really needed the medical care system because I had been fairly healthy up to that point. But when I just saw how they just ignored what I was trying to explain to them, you know, the things that were happening to me and no one cared. Yeah, that's really hard, hard to go through. So when you did, did you start seeking out your own doctors to try and solve it still? I did. So then I started, you know, I started digging. And one of the people that I reached out to was Britt Gavin. Got, what's her last name? Britt Galvin, who's also been a, a guest on America Out Loud. And she is yes. known as the magnetic girl. And if you want, I'll put that link to her interview. She is a severely injured COVID-19 vaccine girl. And um, she, she has a really large following out there and trying to help yeah. the COVID vaccine injured. And these symptoms, very similar to what she had gone through. So you reached out to her. What did she offer? So I reached out to her and I was like, you, you know, I was like, I'm not, um, I didn't get the vaccine, but I'm having a lot of the same symptoms that you're having. Have you heard of this? And she, that's when she told me, yes, there's thousands of people with long haulers who are going through the same thing. And that just, you know, just snowballed into me starting to dig for information about long haulers and so on and so forth. And basically I was looking for, you know, my own answers because the, I went to an endocrinologist, I mean, to a um, neurologist. I went to a cardiologist. I went to my primary what did no they help. say? What did they, they offered nothing? Did they, they, they do an imaging yeah. of your brain or your heart again? Nothing extra? Nothing. And then even um, the neurologist, I went to him because, you know, I was having changes in my vision. My peripheral vision was off. My depth perception was off. And I could literally write, you know, draw a line over my head and I could feel the right side of my brain. 
And I would describe all of these things to him. I was like, I'm having cognitive issues. I cannot read and retain any information. Um, you know, I'm like, this is not normal. And he shrugged his shoulders and he, he was like, I don't know. And I was like, well, do I need to go to a bigger city? Because I live in a very small town. I'm like, should I go to a bigger city? You know, maybe they have more experience with this in, in bigger cities. And he was like, well, if you need to do that for your mental health, then you go right ahead. Oh, my goodness. So this is a form of gaslighting that happens to patients in general, having been a patient who's been gaslit like that. Um, yes. Your local hospitals in your town's audience may not actually have the skills that are needed and they should recognize where they have deficits because if a patient that's Plus, and is or really any age, because if you're an adult and you are reporting your help to say this is sudden onset, this is change. We're in the middle of a pandemic, for goodness sakes. We know right. something's awry. Aren't you reading anything out there? Even the hospitals, you know, aren't you reading what's going on out here? Um, but you right. get sent to somewhere, what's called a tertiary care center that has like an all-in-one place where all these super specialists are basically part of the program. And you can see, I, like I would have 10 specialist visits within about four or five days because I um, am at Mayo Clinic. They're going to see me one after the other imaging right away, labs right away, as soon as they think something and everybody can see it all at one time. You have a better chance of getting solved fast. But our tertiary centers in our country, were not doing that at this time. So where did you go finally to find help? So after about um, 10, 11 months, of trying to fix myself. So I did hyperbaric chamber um, for nearly four weeks. I did um, glutathione and high vitamin C. I did acupuncture. I did a lot of things to try to heal myself. And then I realized that Dr. Corey, Pierre Corey from the FLCCC had a clinic and that he was actually seeing um, long haulers and backs injured people, which I had, I didn't know. And I, it was expensive because you have to pay out of pocket. And until this point, I'm paying out of pocket for everything. The insurance was not paying for anything. Um, and I basically said to my, my, uh, my, I said to my husband, I said, I think I need to make an appointment with them. If okay. they can't give me answers, no one can. Okay. So what happened when they got there um, and they assessed you, did they do much more thorough testing and first of all, believe you? Yes, they did. So basically, I see um, um, Scott Marsland, which is Dr. Pierre Corey's um, partner at the clinic. Um, they did do further testing. They had a lot more understanding of what had happened to me. He basically thinks that while I was in the hospital with my mom at the beginning of January 2022, that I was shed upon from a lot of people that had been recently vaccinated and boosted. And at that point, everybody in that hospital was, I was probably the only unvaccinated person <laughs> there. Um, and that's what happened to me. And so they did do further testing. They kind of have um, a blood test to kind of check spike protein levels in your body. Um, and that's what they kind of gear their treatment on. And they try to get those levels down How were yours? as much as possible. Did you have still high levels? Well, they were pretty high. I was close to about a thousand, almost a thousand. Okay. Um, and they want you um, below, I believe it's 250. So like my husband and my daughter, I had them tested too. And my son, 
my husband and my daughter had very low levels of what would be normal of somebody who had the virus but got over it. Okay. I had high levels and so did my son who was recently in college. He had higher levels than I did. How was his health? He didn't have long haulers and he didn't have any symptoms, but he had very high levels of spike protein. So they basically put him on a similar protocol to get those levels down. My goodness. I guess that he had youth on his side that was helping his body not um, have as much. Pro and he had not just been caring for his mom that had major medical decline the year prior as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Here, so, so their treatment protocol was probably not too far away from what nurse Aaron's clinic would have done, but I'm sure they added a lot more to you. So what were some of the things they did add to your treatment protocol? So basically the first thing he did was put me back on ivermectin. Okay. And, um, which I had tried numerous times to get different clinics to give me ivermectin for a longer period of time, because every time I was on ivermectin, I did feel better. But then as soon as my 10 days was over, the symptoms would just come back. And he basically told me I needed to take it for a lot longer. Um, he put me on ivermectin, a baby aspirin, and natokinase. So those were the first three things that he put me on right away that I started taking that, that very same day. And I can tell you that within a week, I felt so much better. That is a significant thing to hear that the entire other medical community out there was offering discouragement and um, gaslighting of the patient when what the patient actually needed was something that um, would actually work and something that thinned the blood a little bit, the baby aspirin, the ivermectin mm -hmm. for all of its benefits. If you haven't looked at Dr. Corey's book, it is available in the uh, America Out Loud bookstore to get his book, to learn more about the benefits. And it's coming out slowly, but surely, I'm sure very reluctantly for those publishing it, <laughs> they wanted so badly to make it a horse medicine. And I remind people that aspirin was first a horse medicine and for, for veterinary reasons before it was a human medicine, whereas ivermectin was first a human medicine before it was actually a medicine used for horses. So there's crossover with a lot of medications that we use for our pets. But it's just ridiculous that um, in the end, what you needed was longer term. So how long have you been on ivermectin or did they keep you on it? At this point, I've been on it for almost a year. Okay. So I've been a patient of theirs for about a year. And in this year is where I have felt the most normal I have felt since January 2022. Okay, so here we are, January 2024 now. She's been uh, going all through 2023 with, with the treatment protocols recommended by Dr. Corey's uh, partner in that practice, and you're getting health. You feel like you've gotten your health back, and you're probably spike proteins are lower now. Is that true? Oh, they're much lower. I recently got them, so now um, at, I think it was at 100, 113, which is a lot better than close to 1,000. So that is better. Um, I also realized they also sent me to get, and this is one of the things that I was trying to get my primary doctor to check was the microclotting because I had read so much about it. And I was, uh, I was like, well, I didn't get the vaccine, but I'm acting like I was vaccine injured. I have all these crazy symptoms. I said, I could be microclotting. And so um, it's one of the things that um, um, Scott sent me to get done. And long and behold, I was microclotting, and they have it in four different stages. So stage one, two, three, and four, four being the worst. And then I came back out of stage four. So what? They just have you on baby aspirin for that, or did they put you on something? No. So once they got those results back, um, he put me on Plavix, Eliquis, and the baby aspirin. 
Wow, you're on some big, big guns. I have to take Plavix every day myself. I'm a post-stroke recovering patient. But Eliquis, you know, you don't want to have a bump of the head or injury or something like that because of a potential brain bleed. So they're they're hitting her hard and making sure that because stroke is a big deal. You don't want to be the stroke patient. And you've got a mom who already showed that she is capable of having strokes. So you've got a, a first degree relative that's doing that. Now, you also just recently um, started the LifeWave patch. And I'm not sure if we talked to you d- about the um, we have what's called the jab recovery trio within the LifeWave. And we put people on the X39 um, for the stem cells to go and find whatever's wrong inside your body and hunt it down and do what it was told by God to do. And the Aeon patch, which is a, it helps with inflammation in the body because we don't want the inflammation becoming a problem in your body. And then we put people on the glutathione patch as well with that called the trio. And that's why we call it the um, jab recovery trio because it does help with all those things, the glutathione boosting the immune system. So I can put some information about that in the show notes for people who are out there listening to, are you like Michelle who got exposed to highly vaccinated people populations and you're acting out, your body's acting out like it almost got the vaccine. And now we know there's solutions out there. Um, It sounds like the ivermectin, the natokinase, and now she's having to have such major blood clotting treatments to help you. That's amazing. Now your mom and you, so here you are going through 2022, getting through treatment, improving. Now you're on some big gun treatments to help you. You feel better, right? Oh, absolutely. Like this is the most normal I have felt in the last two years. That is a a big testimony to hear that. Now, then your mom who's been COVID vaccinated ends up with COVID this year. What happened? How about she did? She, she ended up in the hospital now, January, 2024, actually on new year's Eve, we had to take her to the hospital. Um, it turns out she, she tested positive for COVID. I don't trust the test, but she did have the symptoms. She had fever, body ache. She would say that her head hurt. She had diarrhea. So she was acting like she did have possibly COVID. So, um, she did end up in the hospital and, um, they tried to give her remdesivir. Um, I warned my sister to make sure that they did not give her remdesivir. I asked them to give her ivermectin, but they would not. Um, that wasn't part of their um, treatment protocol. And she um, is now home, but she's not doing well. Like and she's in the fetal position that her mood is yeah. off. She's refusing meds. What else is going on? She's not, she doesn't want to walk. She doesn't want anybody to touch her. She just wants to be left alone. Um, If you put food in her mouth, she doesn't even know what to do with it. So there's been even more of a decline. Um, This this poor woman has, who was supposedly being protected as a vulnerable population for the elderly by the vaccine, had rapid deterioration in her health because of the vaccine. And even though she got two shots, Still, here she is in 2024 with COVID that is adversely affecting her. So it's our understanding that people who've had the vaccine and then continue to get COVID or get COVID, it's just loading up the body more with more spike. It'd be great to know what her spike levels would be as well, but she's not probably under the care of them yet. But that may be something to consider is getting her spike levels done once she's out of the hospital now, right? Yeah, she is. She's home. Well, this is quite the story to tell because I want people to hear the major thing about this story is that 
families through the pandemic have been going through not just life changes, job changes, relationship changes, societal changes, but in the midst of all that, obviously the illness has been here and the impact of the illness on some people's bodies has been enough to really alter the course of their health. And those who have not been fortunate enough to find these brave doctors and nurses out there that are actually bringing solutions to the people are suffering greatly. So if you know people that are aware uh, that are suffering, share this story with them and let the story get out there. What would you like to tell the audience, you know, as your last words parting? Well, if there is anybody out there that is suffering from long haulers or from vaccine injury, I really feel like there is hope because I, I, at my lowest thought that I was dying and I was not, I didn't think I was going to make it, but Long and behold, as soon as I, you know, reached out to um, Dr. Pierre Corey's team, I it's been a shift. Um, it really has. Okay, we'll provide the link to Dr. Pierre Corey's team in the show notes as well, so that people will have that to reach out to with a, a place that's providing solutions. And of course, the link is already there on the website for FLCCC that will tell you things that you could be doing at home if you're already in that kind of situation. And we'll put some information out there for LifeWave patches as well. So that if you're interested in looking into that as well, it's up to us to really fight for ourselves because it looks like the medical community out there is not only not offering solutions, but they're gaslighting you and almost contributing to more decline as well. So thank you so much for coming on and honestly sharing this terrible journey you've been on. Well, thank you, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Don't forget to check out our online store at americaoutloud.shop where you can find all the products that we represent on our network at a discounted rate, including ASEA Redox. Use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your purchase. Remember, we are in a war for truth. We're putting out a bounty on the real misinformation and exposing the purveyors of propaganda. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the injustices experienced by American citizens. Until next week. It's time.